This morning, um, we conclude our series, and that series is started a, just a few weeks ago on looking at the values of community church. Um, as we drill down in, into what it means to look up what God is doing, to lean in what Christ has for us, and then to live out our faith wherever the Spirit leads. And uh, I loved last week how Pastor Trent shared uh, on what it looked like to lean into what Christ has for us as we reflected on uh, John, the Gospel of John's account of Jesus having to go through Samaria, which is in and of itself something. And to meet that Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, I, I think we could entitle it High Noon at Jacob's Well. Uh, but truly, in all aspects, this interaction, and as he mentioned, you could do a series for six weeks on this. It was amazing how it reflects God's desire to have a relationship with us, no matter who you are and where you are in life. He's always there, sometimes ever so gently knocking at the door of your life, and he's just waiting for you to turn the doorknob of your heart to let him in. So this morning, we're going to continue, we're going to conclude this series on what it means to live out our faith wherever the Spirit leads. And as I reflected on these three values, they're distinct, yet they're inseparable. And in fact, in many ways, uh, I believe these three values reflect the Trinity. Three persons, yet one God. Three values that, although distinct, they're inseparable. They're woven like a cord or strand of three strands, which cannot easily be broken. So this morning, I want us to look at what it means to live out our faith. And I just want to share right up front, this is not about doing things. It's not necessarily about going on mission trips. It's, it's not about activities in and of itself. What it's about is life and what it looks like to have a life that is controlled by the Spirit. So would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in this morning, the place that we can come together to worship in your church is your people. And those people, as Pastor Chris shared, are scattered. They're in homes and places throughout our community, throughout uh, the state, and throughout our country, and perhaps throughout the world. Lord, you gather your people, and you call us to be a people that glorifies you and that enjoys you forever. So this morning, Lord, as we, we look at what your word says to us, may it be your word that speaks, your spirit that guides me, and may, most of all, the glory of Christ be my ultimate concern. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture this morning is taken from James chapter 2, well-known scripture, and it's on faith and deeds. It's, it's one of those uh, Martin Luther didn't like. He didn't like the book of James because he didn't like the fact that uh, it was about works but he also lived in a time where grace was not noted. He lived in a time where 
the church spoke about works. It was works that saved. And he had a real problem with that, and, and uh, rightly so. But that's not what this scripture is really saying. So I invite you to, to listen to it, to read it together, to ponder it, because James is telling us something that's very significant here this morning. And he begins with, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, to claim, if someone claims to have faith and yet has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and fed, but does nothing for their physical needs. What good is that? In the same way, faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish persons, you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he gave his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his, his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and then sent them off in another direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. My friends, this is the word of the Lord and we give thanks to God for it. I'm always reminded of this last part of the scripture. When I stand at a funeral or here in our commons at church where a body is laid, and I look at that body, and every time I stand by a casket, it comes to my mind, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And I think of that individual and what they meant, what they meant to the family, what they meant to the church, and it just, uh, your mind goes. But a very uh, significant uh, words that James used here. But James is an epistle, just to look at James a little bit. An epistle is also known as a sermon, and it can be read aloud in church. Message of wisdom, speaking of moral truths, Kind of like, wasn't that all long ago when we heard it's slow to speak, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Some words of wisdom come from James. But James also does something very unique in, in his, those five chapters. He refers much of the time to Old Testament characters. He brings the Old Testament in, the Jewish ancestors. And here's no different. He looks now and brings us to two individuals, two unusual ones in some ways. He refers to the ancestor of Abraham and the calling of Abraham. 
And then Rahab. Now, I don't know if I would have ever picked Rahab. I might have picked Joseph or anyone else. But uh, James picks Rahab, uh, a woman of the night. But God called her, and she, by faith, followed God's call. Abraham, whose 1,500-mile journey way back when God called him, was, an, was announced and again brought up in Hebrews 11, that great Hall of Faith chapter. And it said here that he went out, not knowing where he was going, but by faith he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then... In the same chapter, in 11, Hebrews brings up Rahab, as a woman by faith did not perish with all those that were disobedient. Abraham and Rahab, they exhibited a faith that was alive, a faith that exhibited fruit. And that's what I want to share this morning, that true faith bears fruit. And it's not my idea, it's God's idea. And Jesus repeated that, that we are to bear fruit, fruit that will abide. So what does it mean to live out your faith wherever the Spirit leads? James is saying that faith without deeds is dead. Fact is, they go together like a hand in a glove. And the reality is God's not satisfied with informing you or me about the work of his kingdom. He doesn't just want to tell us about the work of his kingdom. He wants to transform you and I. He wants to make us participate in his kingdom work right here. James goes on and states this deliberate fact. You believe that there is one God. Even the demons believe that and shudder. That's how real true faith is seen. Interesting about that, uh, I've had it a numerous times when I've met with people and I've talked to them about um, their loved one's faith. This is when someone's passed away. I've had it a number of times where I've asked about their faith. And, and this is not an unusual comment back or response. Well, they believed in God. And that was it. That's where it, it started. That's where it ended. There was nothing about what did that look like. It was not a relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't a life that showed a life of, of fruit oftentimes. But I would accept that. And the good news is I'm not the judge. But the fact is God's work in our hearts through the Spirit is bringing us to a place of transformation. Rattling the bones, as you just heard. Eugene Peterson states in his message about the demons that he says, uh, but what good does it do them? He says, use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end with a corpse on your hands? That's his way of looking at that scripture. What one could say is it's not about knowledge, but about a transformed heart. We're not saved because of our works but we're saved by God's grace. And it's through that grace, that gift of faith, that we respond with a living faith, that we respond with fruit. In fact, everyone 
that has been brought into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, has been drafted into the ministry and work of Christ. That's the church. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He said, we've all been uh, equipped for the saints to become mature, the unity of the faith, that we're not like children tossed back and forth in the waves or blown here and there by every wind or cunning of teaching and craftiness of teachers. But we, we speak the truth in love. We grow up in every way into him who is the head. Because each part has to do its work. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We've all been given gifts. Colossians 3, starting with verse 12, says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, living a life that has fruit, a faith that has fruit, is one of also looking at what does it mean to forgive? I think one of the things that I've, has hit me most in my time in ministry has been the individuals who bear hearts of unforgiveness, who are not willing, they may hold a grudge, they're not willing to forgive someone who did something against them, or maybe they also did something against them as well. To live in that place, that's certainly not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. We're called to forgive just as we have been forgiven. And that produces a heart that's changed, doesn't it? Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, we talked about this some few weeks back, not by works, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works so that no one of us can boast, for we are God's workmanship, his poema, his, oh, his, his it just astounding work that he now desires for us to do. Those are created in us. They were prepared in advance for us to do. So faith is a journey for the believer in Jesus Christ. And there's no reason to sugarcoat this. The fact is, in that journey, it somewhat, sometimes feels like a road less traveled. Maybe in some ways we can think of that with the loss of this dear Nathan. Um, my understanding, he was a, a young man of faith. And I give thanks for that. But it's a, it's a tough road that we travel today, isn't it? this pandemic, the isolation that has existed, I've become aware of numerous people that I believe are not impacted directly by COVID, by the virus, but indirectly because of the isolation that has caused them to, to look at life and to, and to almost feel like it's not worth living anymore. That's certainly a place where we need to pray and to reach out to individuals to help them in this walk. So that, the reality is this journey of faith 
we'll stumble and we'll fail and we'll misunderstand and, and ultimately through God's grace, his amazing grace, we'll grow. Hearts that often reflected a, a shriveled up heart like that of the Grinch who stole Christmas become a transformation by God's reflecting a heart and changing a heart of stone to become a heart of flesh. Can't help but think about this with someone like that. I think of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. In Luke 24, on that infamous Emmaus Road, a heart of stone that became a heart of flesh. What happened? You know, Jesus touched him, touched his heart. And he was blinded for three days, and he ended up getting sight that any spiritual eye doctor would wonder how in the world this ever happened. He had a 180-degree change in his nature. It's no wonder that the early Christian believers had a hard time accepting him, one who had persecuted them and now tells them he loves them. Well, maybe some of us can look like that too. Maybe there's some where hearts were changed that people will look and say, I don't remember he or she like that. But not everyone, the reality is, has a Emmaus Road, a life-changing experience like that. Some of us maybe can't even remember not believing. And yet others of us realize our faith was void of a life reflective of fruit. I'll share a story with you. It wasn't all that many years ago that uh, in my previous career, I spent seven years first in that career as a successful salesperson. I did well. I was really motivated by performance, no surprise. I'm a young guy trying to make things go with our family. Um, but what I didn't realize is what was happening to me. And uh, seven years later, I was promoted to a sales manager. That too proved as a time of success for some 25 years. But I was caught up in the prestige of awards, of selfish ambition, and you know what? Quite frankly, I like the bonuses, and I would work hard for those. And not that success in any way, and I wanna clarify this, is bad. We all should use the gifts God's given to us. But the fact is, this became a God to me. I replaced the creator with the created. That's the reality. And I remember some years after being uh, promoted as a manager at a sales meeting, when a man that I knew, uh, who was a co-manager in Ohio, announced that he was taking an early retirement. Jim was, felt called to be part of the ministry of the church in which he was a member. And he shared that. <clears throat> and I'm not proud of what this was to me, my response, but I... I couldn't understand it. In fact, I thought he was crazy. I thought he was nuts. To give up a successful career, and Jim was a successful manager. He was well respected by all of the other managers. But he gave that up, and I didn't realize that he didn't give it up. And I couldn't see it. 
Because quite frankly, my heart was not in the place that it is now. In some ways I could say I had a heart of stone, not a heart of flesh. I look back and I think, wow, now I get it. I got it, not so many years ago, that what Jim did was a calling by the Spirit in his life. So the reality is none of us are who we once were. I'm not the man I was then, and I'm not the man today that I was seven and a half years ago when I started here at Community Church. I'm different. I'd like to say that I'm, I too am growing, and we all should be growing in our faith. So how about you? This pandemic, as I mentioned, certainly has brought change to what it looks like to worship together. I don't like it. Most of us don't like it. In fact, I think 110% of us don't like it. But let's be honest. Prior from this pandemic even, too many Christians, especially in the Western church, church attendance in some ways was looked upon as kind of a spiritual addition in a way of going to a concert or observing the performance of ministry professionals. Some would say, well, I go to this church because I like the staff and what they're doing, or I like the music ministry, Kurt. That's not unusual. We certainly have heard that, or Chris Hansen. But the fact is, many people pick churches on what they want, to, the kind of church they want to attend, or being thankful for what they like. The fact is, God's plan for the church is a lot different. In fact, I'll say it's markedly different. He's called all of his children, not some of us, to be ambassadors by representing his message and his character where, to wherever and whomever the environment has placed them. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. My friends, this, this is who we're called to be as the church. And it's so needed today in our environment, whether we're talking about the political aspects of where we are, or the health care, or how about our families? How about fathers, mothers? How are you to your children? How are you to your spouses? How are you to your neighbor? How are you to those you work with? You see, this was God's plan for us. A God of grace makes his invisible grace visible by sending his people of grace to reflect his grace to people who need grace. That's who we're called to be because of what Christ did for us. We're called to be the look on his face, the tone of his voice, and the touch of his hand. We're called to be clothed with a garment of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're called to bear with one another. We're called to forgive. Recently, I was overheard in a situation that I was placed that a family member shared about their father 
that one of his attributes was probably not one of the best, and that was he bore a grudge. I don't want to be remembered by my children or by my wife or by my friends as someone who bears a grudge. I'd like to be thought of as somebody who forgave, which we saw amazingly in this church within the last year of what happens when a heart comes to a place of forgiveness, lives transformed. So how about you? The very fact is Jesus said these words, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that will abide, fruit that will last. So how do we deal with those around us? As Christians, that's the fruit of our faith. That's what it means to live out our faith wherever the Spirit leads. To look up to what God's doing. To lean in to what Christ has for us and to live out our faith wherever the Spirit leads. Very Trinitarian, isn't it? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. My friends, a life of bearing fruit is not random, but intentional. It's an intentional leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you most of all for the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the fact that he was sent. He pierced this world and became a mortal, that he may live the life that we could not and die the death that we deserve. And Lord, you were the best example for us. So when we want to look at what it means to live out our faith, the fruit of our faith, may we just look to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.